Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back. New edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb, joined by... Frequent co-host Ryan Bernardoni, and we are here to pour one out for the Evan Fournier traded player exception. We're recording this on Monday night. There's there's still two and a half hours left, Ryan, but we're we're pulling the plug right now on the TPE. It's not it's not being used, and isn't this this was something that has to be fully expected after they made was essentially. The, I think you worded it nicely. The Malcolm Brogdon trade was a, the use of the Evan Fournier TP. Is that pretty much cut and dry what, what, what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, barring um, a very large surprise late at night today. No, we're ending this out. Uh, There's no, no throwing, surprises. Throwing uh, havoc into to all things. Uh, yeah, they've been sending signals for, for a while yeah, now that they I mean, were not going to use bad. it. And anybody yeah. who can sort of do reasonable math on this stuff uh, – could could see that i think if they had used it at the end it would have been you know they're making another trade where they could do it with salary matching and they just are rolling over a player into a tpe or something like that but the reality is that like there's nobody on the roster who makes money that they would want to trade right now so it would have to be somebody comes in and like blows them away with an offer for Derek white or something which just functionally like wouldn't make any sense as a thing to happen right right um so this was, I think, very predictable um, as soon as they made the the Brogdon trade. And yeah, that's really the way that everybody should look at it. Is like, I, I think we said right after the, when we, we did a, a pod right after they made the trade, where it was like, if Brogdon made $17 million instead of 20 something million dollars, then everybody would have said like, oh, that's a, a great, great, the perfect way to use the TPE fits this role, all that. And then at that point, you would have been saying like, hmm, okay, let's look at the budget. They're probably going to have to move Daniel Tice here. And like the fact that it just all happened as one trade that didn't use the TPE, it's like, that's what you wanted them to do though. Um, and so I think it worked out very well uh, on that front. And, and at that point, you just look at it and it's like, if they added another 10 or $15 million player there, like it was going to cost so much money that I'm very much in the camp of like, they're billionaires. I don't care. Spend the money. You have a title shot here, but like, you're not spending that money on an 11th man. You're just not. Yeah, it, yeah, they've reached the point of like, they are spending a reasonable amount of money for a team in this position. And we can't like hold it against them that they're like, yeah, I don't really want to spend $60 million on a guy who I can, you know, who's isn't good enough to be worth more than a TPE and a draft pick basically, right? right. Like that player is not going to 
going to make a huge difference. Probably now, again, we saw like it's sometimes you need one more body in the finals and like we could be sitting there at the very end being like, ah, missed opportunity. But um, I think everybody should reasonably understand that they were not going to use this to add significant salary here. Um, and I think it's funny. It's all day long. Fournier TPE has been like trending on Twitter. It's been like, you know, everybody's <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're going to use it last, last, everybody put out your last opportunity. Who, who could they possibly get with it? Um, but I mean, like I said, it was pretty well done from, from the moment the, the Brogdon trade uh, and the Gallinari signing went down that it's like, they just probably weren't going to be using this for this normal purpose of a TPE. Yeah. And I mean, I think you hit it well in terms of the, the fact that the Brogdon deal being able to, if they use this Fournier TP and like say Brogdon didn't exist, they're, they're going to have to do like two or three moves to make the money all work. If they like took back a salary, they're going to have to dump salary with Tice probably and maybe another piece. And that was probably going to cost them some type of sweetener. And now for them to get a better player in Brogdon than most of their options, they would have had available than the Alkbergs of the worlds and whatnot. Um, that would have fit into the TBA to be able to do that all together to kind of consolidate it in one, one step um, while also opening up plenty of roster spots, which they could have done anyway. All those guys are on non-guaranteed deals. The, the next stout of the world, but um, it was, it was a home run just from that perspective in terms of the roster building standpoint and money wise, they're up to fifth in salary in the NBA right now. Um, I think among payrolls for, for next season, $45 million um i believe in luxury tax penalties that they're supposed to pay as of uh recent hoops calculations i don't know if they match up with your numbers ryan um but that's that's a lot and for every dollar you spend now that's actually like over three dollars in um what they're gonna have to pay so needless to say they're not gonna they're not gonna add they'll probably add more guys but it's probably gonna be for a veterans minimum salary or it's gonna be trades where there's salary going out the door to match what's coming in. Yeah, I, I have them at that same 45 now. Um, but that's also, they have to fill two more roster spots as well. So at the very least, they have to add another, I mean, it could be 2 million if it was like, you know, beggar on and Davidson or something, but like most likely they're going to have um, at least another three, almost 3.7 million in salary that they have to add. And then that's going to be it. 3.75 multiplier. So like there are still, there's still a lot of money left to be added in terms of um, the luxury tax. So they're going to be up well over $50 million in, in luxury tax. Now it's the beginning of the season. They could make salary clearing moves along the way and not be quite that high at the very end. Um, but their initial commitment is, is significant in terms of that. And, you know, I think everybody understands that we've been talking about like you do get into these multipliers where it's again like you said you know for your 11th guy do you really want to spend into like a 4.25 times multiplier like the numbers just continue to climb uh and so if there was the perfect player out there uh, do they have another five million in the budget instead of the three and a half that they're gonna have to spend you know that i that's sort of the impression i got with uh with the stuff that that brad stevens was saying about that he has a green light to spend it's like yeah, you could go out and get, if you find like a really good backup big who's making three and a half million instead of the, you know, instead of the min, then okay, we can take that amount. But 
you're not going to go out and get somebody for another 10 or 12 million. Uh, if the just, Jazz want to give you Jared Vanderbilt, then great. But that's not going to yeah, like, exactly, that's not going to yeah. happen. But that's not like, you're going to have to do up something for that guy, number one. And, um, and you can still do that deal. You still have other TPs to do that yeah. deal regardless. Anything that they do that they add would, you, you know, should be able to fit into the other TPs that they have. And again, like, if they went out and got a $15 million player, like I'm not going to complain about it. That would have been amazing <laughs> and great. And like, I, it's not my money and I don't care and, and all that, but like just within reason, we figured that it wasn't going to happen. And they do have the other TPs that are out there that, that for a player like that, for a, you know, yeah. a, a nice backup big who they think is helpful. They could do that. They also, again, you don't have to go into the season with a complete roster. Like I think we now know that this team is very good. Um, and so if you're sitting on, you know, not the ideal backup big man who you want, you may be able to get that player at the trade deadline if if it does turn out that you actually need that guy and spend half of the season being like, can we get by with Grant Williams and Gallinari and Cornette and Kevin Gailey? And like, can you basically like cobble together a, a backup big man rotation and do Horford and Rob Williams stay healthy? You know, all those kind of questions. Like you don't have to go into the season with your playoff roster. You can make moves along the way and and they do have time to do that as well. Yes, and to remind everyone listening, so the, the they have two significant trade exceptions left. One is from the Juancho Hernan Gomez deal, which is worth roughly $7 million. That expires in January. And the other one is from the Dennis Schroeder deal, uh, and that expires right at the trade line. That's worth $6 million. So not nearly as big as the Fournier one, but as Ryan mentioned, you could definitely big enough for a third center, big enough for a third center, big enough for a potential big here. So I guess, so my other question now from, a, from a roster building standpoint, and we'll get into the remaining open roster spots and any summer league takeaways left over that we might want to hit on. Um, but from a, the, the one thing I wonder now that could conceivably pop up, or I would at least consider after this Brogdon deal went through and now Gallinari um, getting added is you, you added to, you know, legitimate shooters there to your bench. And now your backcourt, your reserve backcourt is very crowded. And so I do wonder if they will explore using seeing what's out there for Peyton Pritchard. And maybe, maybe that's not a situation again, where it's going to happen this off season. Maybe you come into camp, you see what it all looks like together. Maybe like playing those three guard lamps together looks great. And he's worth holding on to on that cheap deal for another couple of years. But for me, I look at that, that that's one area I'm going to look, whether it's him or, you know, Grant Williams, depending on how contract extension negotiations are going to go, um, you know, to find that, that legitimate backup big from a size standpoint, that that's the one, the one legitimate thing I wonder that they'll, they'll look at maybe not this offseason, but Kevin, you know, as we go through this season. This is where my uh, my Daniel Gafford idea comes in. <laughs> oh, uh, because he's he's a, a very odd uh, position that he signed a, an extension so early that he's already eligible to be traded, even though he still is on the last year of his pre-extension contract. So he only makes one point nine million this coming season, but then it goes up like over ten million after that. And they signed it before they traded for Porzingis, and the two never play together. Like they played in games together yeah. last year and they just never, they just didn't put them on the floor together ever. And so I wonder if they like regret that extension. And um, if you got into a situation where like they couldn't come to terms with Grant, would they look for a different option like that? And that's where it's like, 
would you trade Peyton Pritchard for that type of player where it's like, you know, he's not like a great player, but he would fill a, fill a role here. And he's got some questions about his contract and like, you may end up having to like move him a year on, but yeah, I mean, the concern is that Pritchard just sort of now withers away on the vine here and that you aren't able to build on anytime you have a player at, you know, at that point in their career, who's able to play deep into the playoffs, that's a positive. Uh, even if they, at the very, very, very end, you know, looked a little bit deer in the headlights and, and with the rest of the bench and, and weren't able to get anything going. Just the fact that they were on, that he was on the floor as long as he was, and you would like to be able to build on that this season. And like, they're just, it's going to be difficult to do that. And it's going to be difficult to find consistent playing time and all that. And, I, and again, I think this isn't like some brilliant analysis that I'm giving here, but no, this is just it is a deep position. Reality. It's like, can you find a guy like that, like Gafford, who's like, shows some amount of something at a, you know, trading for centers is always, you don't want to just, you don't really want to give up too much for centers. Cause there is a certain amount of like, how much better is he than Kevin Gailey? Like better, yeah. but uh, do you want to be on the hook for, whatever it is, $30 million down, you know, in extension. Yeah, why did they give him that contract? I'm looking at these numbers. He was really good for, like, a brief period of time before they basically put him back out of the rotation where, like, they were playing really well with him. Right. The first half Uh, of the season, they were, whatever, they're, like, the fifth or the sixth seed, and then they obviously fell apart. Um, But, like, they gave him the – when did he actually sign the extension? I think he signed it after last year. Look at this. Um, He signed October 2021. Yeah, he signed his extension. Yeah, so, yeah. The the previous season. Right. He had a very good – Partic- like primarily offensive season he's not a great defensive center but like yeah i mean we i think he one of his breakout games was actually against the celtics if i, if I remember for some reason yeah you're shooting like 70 percent from the field essentially yeah so. a lot of a lot of dunks and finishing and all that which is sort of why i say like how much better is he really than kevin gailey like it's hard to say um but like that and i'm not saying like he has to be the player who they would trade for no, but that's right, that type of opportunity center. well yeah and finding particularly that kind of opportunity where like if it's a, it's a question of like, do the wizards regret giving him that extension now that they have Porzingis? And if they're just trying to get out of it, you're like, ah, oh, okay, well, it's actually more than I thought. It's even more money than I thought it was. It's like $40 million for three years after this season, but this season he has a low salaries, which is why it's, it's just a weird situation, right? Like, can you find an odd situation like that for a player who you might want and that, you know, moving Pritchard to an opera to a place where they could use somebody with his skills, uh, and and his development track would you know maybe be appealing, um, because you do worry that you're just you know Pritchard will now sit for for another year or two and whatever momentum he had and whatever career he was building, which I don't think anybody thinks that he's going to be you know a starting a starting point guard for a long period of time or anything like that, but um, looking like a good useful player and and that it's it's a team that has that can't worry about those sorts of things at this point. Like you're going for a title, you you can't. That, that can't be your primary concern. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the one question left really with the, with the roster right now is, is that switch of like, do you want to do anything with Pritchard? And in the process of doing that, would you be able to resolve somewhat of a question about, about your big man rotation? Yeah. So that's, and again, that my bet is that happens. Like they look at what this team looks like together in the first couple months of the season. And then you're in a better position to make that call. If like if Pritchard's really meshing well with, you know, as a, as a spacer and continues to get a little bit better on defense where he can, you know, be respectable against second units in that front, which he showed at times in the postseason, that makes him and makes his salary for the next couple of years, all that more appealing. And then maybe you look at, you know, Derek White or something like that in a similar and, type of deal. Or if there's an injury, right? I mean, sure, exactly. Injury, an injury can might, take care of this. He could, could end up playing, uh, you know, a much bigger role. Uh, it's just, 
I, I agree. I mean, it makes perfect sense that if there's nothing out there that really blows you away, like just go into the season with what you've got. And then, you know, the trade deadline, you figure it out. If you have to adjust, you, you adjust. And it may very well be that like Gallinari plays some center, Grant Williams plays some center, Cornette plays a little bit. And you're like, oh yeah, that's why you don't spend money on third and fourth centers. It's because like, you can just sort of cobble it together because who are these like amazing backup centers who are going to be killing you if you've got those guys on the floor? I mean, like, Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. <laughs> go like, out there, like have fun go. posting up. We don't care. Like, good, good on you. We'll we'll live with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's funny. There there are some there are fans of Luke Cornett in the in the organization that they're real and you know he didn't the one time he got legitimate minutes last year in a game that mattered that Toronto game he actually played really well in that game. <laughs> when they almost went up there uh, with he's the skeleton very crew. big. He's very he, big. He's really large. If he hits threes, like sort of like he takes he could, threes, he takes threes. If he can hit threes, then maybe you can get away from him. If you're fitting Al Horford, let's take a quick break first here to hear from our sponsor at better line, where our partners there continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including major league baseball scores, um, NBA, NBA futures, NFL futures, and all the latest fighting news as well. So BetOnline is your continuing source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. It's BetOnline where the game starts. But in the meantime, Luke Cornett has a little competition. We'll, we'll talk about Summer League a little bit here with uh, Kevin Gelly that you already mentioned who has, I don't know if he sneakily got the two-way deal. He, he, it's, it's rare. It's, it's a unique situation where this is a guy who was a first-round pick um, back in 2019, I believe. And so he couple is... after Grant. Right, a couple years. <laughs> so he's 24 years old. Like, it was like Brandon Clark, Grant Williams... Basley, right. and then a couple of picks and then Kevin Gailey. Like they were all sort of in the same group together. But. Right. So he was out of Florida State, went to the Clippers, turned away under the bench, on the bench for a couple of years, I think got traded in a salary dump or something like that at a trade in line, bounced around and was totally out of the league last year, which I didn't even realize that he played the, the entire season with uh, in Houston's G League affiliate and they won a title there. And now the Celtics apparently made a strong run at him to go for them in summer league. And now they offer him the two way in his final year of eligibility for a two way. And it's given the new two way eligibility rules here, Ryan, like it's, I, I, I see it making sense from both sides from the standpoint, of the Celtics can sell like, Hey, if you, if you win this job, like we'll, we'll play you in random games here. And he at least gets the locked in money. And of what it was like close to 500 K now and um, kind of a, a win-win from both sides from that standpoint. It's over 500 K. And it doesn't count against a cap either. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love the idea of like using one of those spots on a 25 year old um, center. Uh, basically I would always be like wings or a point guard to run your G league team. Uh, and it does. I think there's a couple of things that, that change that calculus a certain, a certain extent. One is that again, this is a title team. So maybe they're just trying to do everything they can to protect themselves against every possible thing that's out there. Um, and so you just, you know, you're not you worried. Don't about the you, don't <laughs> yeah, well, you don't need another guard. You don't need another guard. Well, you don't need another guard, but I mean, you always need wings. Um, yeah. Fair. And 
the other part of it is that like COVID is still raging across the country. You, you may have, uh, you know, a, again, like waves during the season where you're losing half your team and it's like, oh, okay. Having a, a 25 year old with a little bit of experience um, on a two way is better than having a, you know, a 20 year old who can't really play. Um, so I think those are the, the two things that are like, all right, that, that's fine. Uh, he's much, he looks to be much more of a sort of Rob Williams type player than an Al Horford type. Right. I think that's safe to say he's kind of a live wire athletic. He's a very uh, sort of straight line player. Uh, from what we saw in the summer league, it's like pick roll, you know, roll hard, catch it and finish, which is fine. That's, that's not a knock. Um, certainly didn't show at least in a small amount that we saw him any sort of like the passing chops of, of Rob, uh, but he is athletic. You could imagine him playing the same sort of role that, that Rob plays rotating off the ball um, to, to protect the rim on, on defense. And then again, like rolling and trying to, trying to dunk, uh, which he did really well against summer league opposition. And there's just no real history of him doing that in, in the NBA. But like you said, he got a little bit buried and with the Clippers, like he never has had a real opportunity. So maybe there's more to it. Like I said, I mean, Daniel Gafford had like a breakout sort of out of nowhere, a very a similar player as well. Uh, if you get in the right position and you're super athletic and you have good enough hands to catch it and dunk a lot, like you're going to have a really high true shooting percentage and stuff like that. Right. Um, and the Celtics do have, you know, have, have another player who plays that way. And so they, they may um, be able to, to make good use of, of what his skills are. Uh, it's just not, like I said, I mean, it, this is a 25 year old on a, on a two way, um, I don't know what you don't the, see much. Yeah. I mean, it, it's For a little reason. bit odd, but like I said, maybe, maybe this is the situation where it makes more sense than others. I'm not really sure. Yeah. It's, I get it from a standpoint. I mean, I agree if you're a general, but like another wing in this spot would have been fine. But if they, if they, you know, if, if you want to save money against the cap right now and you like this guy to be just insurance there, like I, I don't mind just doing this to get someone you lock in that you 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 trust and you think could compete as opposed to having to hand out some more you know small guarantees and training camp for guys that you don't like or having to bring in two extra bigs and fill an extra roster spot not giving that flexibility you know carrying having to carry 15 because you don't you know trust any of the the backup bigs that you're going to need if if an injury comes down so it's i mean it's i mean he played to his credit he played i mean it's just summer league but and he's 25, so he should be looking a lot better than a lot of these guys on the court. But, you know, he, he held his – I mean, he had a rough first game, but then he, he came on pretty strong after that. And Yeah, I mean, he, I guess he's about to turn 25. I've been saying he is 25. He's a, yeah. He will be 25 at the start of the season. And I guess the funny thing, you know, I say, oh, they should – I would basically always get a wing. But you look at who was on the summer league team, like Matt Ryan is already 25. Justin right. Jackson's 27. Like, who the, that's the question. Who is that wing? Do you want to start the clock on, on Begaron? Um if he can go back and, and play in Europe for another year, then that sort of benefits the team, the, at least the franchise in terms of like longer term stuff. If he ever turns out to be anything, it would be better for him to take another year over there before you start the clock on, on him and things like that. So I, like, I get it. It's just, is there another, is there, there aren't a lot of 22 year old wings with any sort of promise knocking around because basically every team wants them. And so that can be the other part of it. It's like how low down the, the pecking order of those guys do you, do you go before it's like, ah, you know, 25 year old center who played really well for us and has a first round pedigree. And like, is that a position where we have some need? Like, I, you know, I, I get it. None of it really matters. Like it's two way guys. I say none of it matters. And there are guys who come out of two ways and break out and become, become important players in the NBA. And, and, you know, 
great if he does. Um, but you, you can't get too worked up about it, whatever decision they make. It, it may be just that he's a really good guy and they like having him around. <laughs> Who knows? But um, it, he did he did play legitimately well. I mean, he destroyed Wiseman. Wiseman yeah. is, you know, it has been a bad NBA player, although obviously there's people who think he has a lot of potential, but like he took him, you know, took him out of that game entirely. Yeah. So that was, I mean, though that kind of performance probably helped seal the deal for him here. But all right. So the Celtics have three other open roster spots right now. They need probably to fill, two. they need to fill two. <laughs> Realistically, they're going to fill two, two, barring a big surprise, um, just to keep that flexibility and not to spend extra money they don't need to on a, a 15th guy. So out of the summer league guys who what's your, do you have a favorite here? Do you want to start the clock on, on the Frenchman or, own, or would you, are you more inclined to go Justin Jackson, Matt Ryan, obviously they shut him down early, which I think, cause they, you know, that wasn't a sign. I think he had the rosters, but I think it's more of a sign. Like they know what he is. They don't need, they'd rather get more of a look at the other guys. Um, and he obviously hurt his ankle too, so they're not going to roll a dice there. But um, I think he was probably hurt. I know there was talk about like, oh, they shut him down. That means they're going to sign him. Like, yeah, I mean, he for I, his I perspective, he probably he, just hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Like he he obviously twisted his ankle pretty solidly there at the end of the second game, and there's no need. If there's any question, there's obviously no need for uh, a 25 year old to go back into three meaningless summer league games. And if he's not on the roster, like. If he wasn't hurt, I assume that he would have been like, no, I have a reason to get back out on the floor. Like, yeah, that's, that's have, true. Right. Like, I think he was, I don't think it was that they made him a promise that they were going to sign him. They may sign him. I mean, right. uh, again, a six, seven guy who can shoot, the, everybody needs him. Um, and maybe they'll sign him and basically put him and Hauser in competition with each other or something. Uh, but um, I think it was probably that he had a pretty nasty brained ankle and, and couldn't play. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the summer league guys, they, it was, I mean, it was for what it was like, it was a fun summer league. More than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, because you come in thinking like they could possibly lose all these games and it wouldn't surprise anybody because they, it was, you know, it was supposed to be the Hauser show and then he gets, he has a terrible game shooting anyway and then he gets hurt. And it's like, all right, well, this make it ugly. But they, you know, came together. They had a couple of veteran guys who helped. Kevin Gailey certainly helped from that, that perspective. And then Justin Jackson, at, at least in the, the Warriors game had a really good game, but you know, another guy who's like, he's 27, I think, but he is, you know, he is a wing. He has NBA experience. Like it, it, you could find worse 14th man. Uh, wasn't super impressive, but he's kind of a guy, like if he's making shots, then, then it's good. And if he's not, but like, he's never going to play anyway. So is he a guy that you want to have there at the end of your bench to just sort of be there for emergencies? Like they had him last year on 10 days. Like, again, if there's a COVID outbreak across the team um, and and you're sort of kind of, you know, looking for guys who are like good in practice and aren't going to rock the boat and things like that. And like, from that perspective, I, I think he would be fine. Uh, I, the, the question about bigger is there's a lot of things. I mean, we can talk about him. Yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting, conversation. Player, an interesting prospect. I mean, what did you think from, from what you saw? I, I was intrigued, but I still think he would benefit far more from being away for another year. Um, I, I guess I see the, like, I'd, I'd want to wait to start the clock on them for a year. I know there are, there are advantages to having them on the roster from a financial saving standpoint. Um, but beyond that, I just think that the, the turnovers are, it's still way too sloppy from that standpoint. 
and the jump shot is still a complete like trick-or-treat situation so he's still very young I think you know you get him extra reps over there and then he comes back maybe next season ready to you know he's obviously still going to spend more time in the G League I think whenever he comes then you know in the rotation but you at least get that extra year where he's closer to being able to contribute whether it's for you or for a team you trade him to um so I would I would you know I would rather have someone especially from a wing perspective I'd rather have a wing that you know can help you in a pinch and I'm not sure he can be that guy on this team at 19 years old yeah I think it was a successful summer league in the sense that like if you threw everybody back into a redraft he would go higher than 45th right like I think yeah he showed enough of of that to be like an interesting prospect I um, mean, considering that I think he kind of came out of left field last year when they picked him, if we're like, oh, that, you know, there were some people who are very into the draft. You're like, oh, that's an interesting pick. You know, I had him in the 50s on my board or whatever. Um, but he, he kind of came out of nowhere on that. And I think now he's been more established as like, no, this is a legitimate, you know, NBA prospect. Uh, right. He's a lot of like almost right. His shot is almost dangerous, but like <laughs> not really. His handle is like interesting, but he's too he's too sloppy. He's certainly got NBA athleticism. There's no question there, but in terms of size, like he's, he's six, five, he's not six, seven or six, eight. Right. So the sort of player archetype of like super athletic, not, not a great shooter, not a great ball handler. Like you, you have to be a forward to, to make that work. Um, and while he has the athleticism and, and maybe the, the strength as he, as he ages and the long arms and everything, six, five, there's certainly six, five forwards out there, but like, um, you know, he's, he's not, quite as big as you might want him to be. And if he was all those things, then he would have been on the radar at the draft and he would have gone much, much earlier than he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was successful in, in the sense that he's like bumped up his stock in the eyes of, I assume the team and, and maybe around the league. If, if ever you're not like, looking for a, somebody, something to add into a trade or something like that. But um, yeah, I don't think he could help the team this year. I, I don't think you would expect him to. Now you could make the argument that right. The tax savings are, an amount of money that's not insignificant. Um, again, it's not my money, so I don't care, but like the combination of the tax savings and maybe wanting to be like, yeah, you know, we'd really like to get you up to Maine and get you into the program and get you all this and that. And like, it's worth us worth it to us to start the clock on this because, and here's the argument that I would make for him if I had to make one, because they have traded so many draft picks away or had their high picks not really pan out and then get traded. Although obviously Grant and Pritchard are, are there, but we all know, right? Neesmith and, and Langford, but then they also made all these other pick trades. Like they've sort of dried up a little bit on the back end of the, like the talent pipeline. And so maybe they are looking at it as like, ah, well, if we just think of him as our draft pick this year, and we know that it's going to be a raw guy. And then, you know, we bring him in and start to develop him so that we don't have this gap of like five years where we don't have anybody who's, who looks like a draft pick. Um, you could, you know, you could do that. Um, but does that change anything if he's, having his development in Europe versus here. I don't know. Uh, probably not, but you know, it was an, it was an interesting summer league for him. He's, he's a fun player to watch because he's does some pretty impressive dunks and stuff like that, yeah. but, but he's, he's raw. I mean, he's not going to play on a title contending team. Did you watch the, the crazy ending to the, like the Matt Ryan three game, like the, the last stream is that game. I didn't watch most of the game, but I did watch. The end of it. <laughs> did you, I just, I just still can't. I mean, three and I, Podcast about it. I still can't get over it. It was ridiculous. Them, them like so changing funny. the score. <laughs> like, 11 seconds left. Like, 11 oh, seconds. oh oops, we were wrong. Oops. We had it, it right. Was the most summer league thing you could imagine. I, I would I would have loved to be a fly on the wall after the game for like 
how they got the okay to do that in the first place. And then uh, it's just, uh, it's so, just so summer league. And that was just like the, that was still like the, like the third or fourth most interesting thing that happened in the last, you know, 30 seconds or three, four minutes of that game, which is hilarious. But well, Bangeron missed, I think it was right. Missed free throws when it seemed like they were high pressure free throws. Yes. They were down yes. two, but actually right. they <laughs> were tied. They were tied. Like, Maybe he, he would have made the right. Yeah. Like it would have seen much less pressure if, if there was a tie game instead of because he missed that first one by like a lot. He came up really yeah. short on it. Uh he you know caught iron, but it was it was not good out of his hand. And you were like, Oh, he might miss both here. And to his credit, he made the second one. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> Oh, actually, we're in the lead. That you actually just made the free throw that put us in the lead. You no, know, that was good. <laughs> it was just so stupid. So, everything about it. And then to literally hit a, a game winner and get injured and end your summer league all on the same. Yeah, the whole thing was just i know yes. you don't you're not a big soccer guy but there's the the u.s soccer thing plays in confederate plays in the Concacaf confederation where like crazy shit happens all the time and everybody when like these weird games between like you know jamaica and canada are having like horrible officiating decisions and the games are descending into chaos you just see like a million tweets that are like up oh, Concacaf is concacafing and i was sitting there going <laughs> this is the most Concacaf summer league game i've ever seen <laughs> like it was put, just ridiculous. Put that in the ESPN classic because that you're it's never gonna get you're never gonna see more mayhem than that in uh in Las Vegas. Just just, just a gold mine. Um who any JD Davison thoughts? Like yeah, looks I mean, like a fine, like right? fine pick yeah. for 53, like a successful summer league. Like, yeah, looks like he could be a top 30 guy next year from a yeah. if he was redrafted. So like good pick. Similar to Begaron, right? Like, if they redrafted right now with what you know after Summer League, like, would he go 53? Probably. I mean, he may go in the 40s, something like that. Like, I think he he upped his stock. Um, you can see the, the problems in his game. Yes. Uh, but there's, <laughs> there's potential. He's 19. There. He's got, yeah, I mean, the passing vision was was good. He showed confidence with his shot again, even if it didn't always go in. You got to start somewhere. Um, he's athletic. He's got – he's the type of player who, again, is like – it's very hard for me to ever see him – breaking in with this Celtics team as long as they're they're contenders because that, that very specific type of player of like irresponsible ball handler scorer is not a winning player like it might be winning ingredients for a player to develop uh you know and like use those raw materials to turn into something that that is more reliable and and can create more uh, but it's very hard to put that type of player on the floor for a team that's trying to win right now both of them Davison and Begaron, like if they were on Oklahoma City, would have games next year where they would be out on the floor and they would score, you know, 18, 20 points and people would be like, oh, they're breaking out. Look at this. And they'd be have great highlight dunks and all that. But like they, they just aren't going to be winning players on a team that's trying to win. So they just aren't going to play right now. I agree. So it's I mean, that's something where it's just going to be a winning game with both those guys for probably at least two more years until they. But if if you get one of those to hit eventually that can be a real useful tool for the team like this, that it's going to be yeah. looking the replacement of the last of the lost draft picks. Exactly. And who knows, maybe they'll put one of them on the roster now for the tax savings. I mean, we'll sure. see, but all right, let's wrap this quick with um, roster talk. I'm curious to see what wing they're going to get. Um, one name that just popped up that I didn't realize was out there and even got waived last year is old friend Abdel Nader. Uh, who was ravaged by injuries last year with the Suns, got waived to the trade deadline, still on the market. Um, maybe he's worth a flyer. I don't know. There's, there's really no... Is there any veteran names that actually intrigue you right now, either at the wing or 
the big man spot or are you more or less like you'd much rather see them get someone um, via trade down the line for either of those spots? I think they're going to have to add somebody. I mean, like I said, they, they could even add Justin Jackson at the wing and I'd be like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. The, yeah. the problem with wings is that any good wing is already on a team. Yes. Like they're just, there, there aren't enough of them across the league. And so they're, they just, there aren't any that are sitting out there waiting to be signed or, or they are, but nobody knows about them. Right. I don't know about them. Uh, there's somebody out there who would actually be really good. Who's been playing in the G league who can become the next Robert Covington or whatever. It's just, we don't have any idea who that is. Um, and so that, that's the tough one is, is on the wing. Uh, the opposite of it is centers. There's lots of centers. I mean, Dwight Howard and Hassan Whiteside are still sitting out there, I think, right? And, like, they're both – I don't want to sign either of them for other reasons, but, like, they're centers. They're centers that people know. I don't think either of them have signed, right? Um, so I just – they're all minimum contract guys. And, like, if I would – I'm more interested in if they can find a way to, to make a trade to, to add one of – somebody at one of those positions – uh, but they have already traded out future picks. And like, what are you really trading here? Uh, unless like we talked about before, it's, it's Pritchard. It's hard to see where the value is that you can give up. Um, I, I know there was some Twitter chatter about like, maybe bigger on becomes a trade piece. And like, I don't think he's shown enough to be like a meaningful no, trade piece. No one can give anything. Second round picks or something. Right. Right. More yeah. it have any more value than future second round picks or something like that. So it's hard to, to see where it's coming from, but um, at some point they'll sign somebody and, We'll go. Oh, okay. Or, or maybe it'll be that they sign a couple guys and like, you know, they, they give them contracts that have fifty thousand dollars guarantees, and you're thinking like, oh, maybe they're just going to the G League and one of them has a really good preseason or whatever. The team just likes them and, and they get them that way. But um, Cody Zeller's still a free agent. Is he really? He is. Yeah. He was waived. Minimum, I, but... He he was signed for the veterans minimum last year. I guess with, he would have with to. Portland. He was injured last year. And he was injured. He got hurt and he got waived at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Everyone just forgot about That's him. That's why. I forget which Zeller is which. Like, yeah, right. And and Brad Stevens a has one. a thing for Zellers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has a thing for, he's had a thing at least for Danny um, yeah. No, but he was always a big fan of Tyler Zeller. Um, yeah, that's honestly that's a. I. Joe Johnson even still there. Brad, <laughs> Brad Wanamaker available. Um, Jane Larkin. Jane Larkin. <laughs> We're just doing the thing where we say names. <laughs> Jonas Drepko come out of retirement. Okay. Let's wrap up speed round two minutes. Kevin Durant situation. Is he and Kyrie Irving starting um, training camp? Are they Brooklyn Nets? What's your prediction? Like it. I don't know. I mean, there's anybody out there who can can get them. And right when this whole first, this whole story first started to come out, like I, I said in a couple of places that was like, if there's one player who that you would just be like, no, we're just not going to trade you. It would be Kevin Durant. (laughs) On a four year deal. Like, like, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if somebody comes along and wants to like give us their entire team, then then sure. But no, right, you're gonna sit. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes, or see how long you can you can, you know you really want to hold out. When you're 34 years old, like you're just gonna you're retiring. Like you can at some point you're gonna have to play, and like you can come out and sandbag it and all that, just like other players have, like Harden has and people like that. But so you wait until the, the right offer comes along, uh, Kyrie. Right. If you're going to keep, if you're keeping Durant in the hopes that you can like reconcile with him, I guess you have. Right. To you have to keep Kyrie. Maybe you give him the extension that they, that he's always wanted now, and then <laughs> commit to the, commit to the whole get the whole band back together. Uh, the, I mean, the funny thing is, like, we can all look at it and say, like, yeah, you know, if they keep them all together, they may start the season and win 18 of their first sure. 20 games, and everything might look look a lot better because um, they have a lot of talent. 
<laughs> they've got Kevin Durant. Uh, but at the, I don't know. It seems like he'll be there, um, but maybe five minutes from now there will be some new report that the Orlando Magic have traded for him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just again with the Aiden kind of out of the picture now as like a a tool to make up four or five team trade or one of your masterpieces work that you put on Twitter a few weeks ago. Um, seven. I got all of seven. Seven teams. seven teams. So it's like I just see now. It's like okay, so Phoenix. They're not going to get there. Um, and then Miami, there's all sorts of, they're probably not offering enough. And there's big complications there with the, the BAM, you know, Ben Simmons, um, rookie, rookie max extension dealies. And so beyond that, and, and then everyone's, unless some team steps up to the plate and like blows out of the water what the Jazz got for freaking Rudy Gobert, then yeah, of course, Sean Marks is going to just be like, yep, like I'm going to, I literally don't like what good do I get for not waiting it out right now and, and settling just to what, what what's that going to do anyone except probably lose my job even sooner. Um, it's, it's going to be long and I don't know. I don't know if you're rooting, for, I guess you're like from a seller's perspective, you're just rooting for the him to stay there, but for it to just combust again. Yep. And then like that, that might be a win-win because then he can't yeah, I mean, be either trade him. Either trade him west or let him sit there and have everybody be miserable and have the whole thing blow up. Um, I think also if you're if you're Sean Marks, like you're looking at the landscape and saying like half the league's gonna have cap space next year. There's gonna be a lot of flexibility and a lot of teams that come out of this year where there's a, a lot of depth uh, in terms of title contenders and somebody's gonna come close and there's gonna be a lot of ways to structure things and like maybe you play it out for a year and then you reevaluate at that point when Kyrie is a free agent and decide that you want to go a full another direction and really blow it up or something like that. But um, I mean, they like they start the season with that team. They're not like unreasonable to look at as title contenders yeah. uh, for all the all the trouble that they've had. And and as many other people have mentioned, like there was a time when Kobe Bryant demanded a trade from the Lakers, and they were just like, no, no. And it right then he went won two more titles. Like <laughs> sometimes it just works out that way. You don't always have to trade the guy. Uh, and in this case, I don't think that he's going to just sit on the sidelines for four years. So. Um, they, you know, they, they do have some amount of control. There's also, I do wonder how much of it, you sometimes get into these things are like, these are like business contests, right? Like there's, there's a billionaire who owns the team who doesn't want to be shown up by the, by his employee. He wants to show that he's the owner of the team and that he'll do what he wants to do. And that if, you know, he can have 40, $50 million sitting on the sidelines moping and he can be like, ah, that's, I make that, you know, in interest every week. I don't care. <laughs> um, so you, there's some amount of it that it's like, it could get into just guys don't like billionaires don't like being pushed around by, by hundred millionaires because they, they have a whole thing about it. So um, it's a, it's a weird situation. It's not great for the league, but if you're a title contending team, taking Durant at least some amount off the, off the board is not a, not a terrible thing. It's could certainly help the Celtics, the Bucks and whoever else is going to be fighting at the top of the East come October and the rest of the way, but we'll be monitoring the Durant situation all summer long. Like the rest I will of the not be monitoring I mean, it. Ryan will be, I'm have his, his ear to the grindstone on hoops hype every, every night just to get the list latest dribs and drabs. Um, and you missed out in Vegas for just, you know, seeing these poor Brooklyn reporters, you know, trying to talk to Kyrie and Ben Simmons there 
just hanging out and getting completely uh, stuffed. So um, the whole cottage industry sprung, sprung up of following Sean Marks around to see what other right. DMs he was talking about so that you could, you know, write a story about. They sat together for 37 minutes on the sidelines. He had popcorn. <laughs> oh, what a time. What a time. But Celtics don't really have to worry about that. They, uh, they're pretty set here. They might make another tweak or two down the line, but um doesn't sound like uh, Kevin Durant or anyone else of a major Oakland in the cards with uh, arguably now the, the deepest roster in the Eastern Conference for the foreseeable future here. We'll see if that pans out. But Ryan, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Dangercart. Um, we'll, be, uh, we'll still be back weekly here on the Winning Plays pod, but obviously offseason will get a little bit slower. Um, and I don't know, Ryan, what we're going to... What are we going to talk about here in the next two months? Things. This is like the most settled the Celtics have been since when? Like twenty, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, well, at least we had James Posey. Talk. Oh, I guess we. That's yeah, sure, James. Right. I mean, this is the project, probably, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a very settled roster. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going to have to start ranking things again. <laughs> um. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. We'll we'll, we'll brainstorm. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, and follow me on Twitter at Danger Cart. Follow me at Brian T. Rob and at Mass Live. And we'll talk to you guys next week.